Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the lead pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We spend 25 minutes together every week telling you the stories of our church as we interview our members and other friends of the ministry. We also begin by personally inviting you to Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday. We have two services, one at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m., We have Japanese and Korean translation available during that 11 a.m. service, and that service at 11 a.m. is also available via live stream. You can find that at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, we're beginning a new series from the Book of Romans. Let's begin the program by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, Hoffaday, Chris. I've been off-island for a couple of weeks, so it's good to be back with you. And back to, uh, so glad to be back at Harvest. I just feel like we came home, you know, walk off that plane and it's warm again. <laughs> and uh, and we just love being here and looking forward to the next couple of months. A- as you mentioned, we are going to launch a new series this Sunday, just working through a couple of really important uh, chapters in the book of Romans. We're going to begin in Romans 5, and over the course of the next maybe two months, 10 messages, we're going to work through chapter 6, 7, and 8, some of the most significant uh, you know, teaching in all the Bible about our relationship with God, and it talks a lot about change. That's uh, Change will be sort of the theme that we're looking at. How does a person change, and what does God's Word have to say about that? And so... Romans 5 through 8 gives us some helpful instruction about that. And so let me invite you to come and maybe make a commitment to be a part of that whole series. And it's going to start this week, and it'll go through, you know, maybe through the month of May. So we'd invite you to come and be part of our service and uh, join as we worship our God together. Well, uh, I am really pleased and honored to have in studio with us uh, here today Pastor Les Hines. Pastor Hines is the senior pastor at Red Rocks Baptist Church just outside of Denver, Colorado. So welcome, Pastor Hines. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. I've enjoyed my time in uh, Guam here and at Harvest, of course. Uh, Pastor Hines is here as part of our missions conference, and as this airs, we're just coming off a week where we've, as a church and even as with our Bible college students, we've spent the whole week just focusing on God's plan for the nations, for the gospel and his glory to be spread among the nations. And we'd invited uh, Pastor Hines to come and be our keynote speaker. He's got a great heart for mission, loves God's church, and so... Um, Thanks for being willing to come. I, I know this is your first time to Guam, right? It is. I've been in Southeast Asia, of course, before, but I've never been on the island. And uh, it's a warm welcome in, yeah. every, in every way. <laughs> Just been here a few days, but what's sort of been your first impressions? Well, I, I really will say the people are warm and friendly, inviting. Uh, uh, of course, the weather is tremendous. I come from Colorado, where it was three degrees above zero and snowing for several days. So obviously, the weather and the water and all of that is very appealing. But but even more than that, of course, is just the people. You sense the love of God in this place. Quite a, quite a bit going on here. You had a chance to talk last week on Harvest Time with Pastor Ken, 
And uh, I was able to listen to that. It was so interesting to me to hear your personal spiritual story, which I think would be familiar with many of our people here in Guam. I don't want you to do the whole thing again, but could you give us just a quick summary for maybe somebody that didn't hear that podcast earlier? Sure. You know, first let me say I think God always deals with grace with the human race, Mm -hmm. and he certainly dealt with grace in my life, and I want to be graceful towards everybody that I meet. Uh, we have a gracious God, uh, and, and and me coming to Christ was purely His grace. It wasn't like I was looking for God or searching for Him. Uh, he put me in a, in a college situation with a, a roommate who was a believer, a born-again believer, who gently nudged me uh, to the Bible. And of course, I grew up a Roman Catholic. And in central Michigan's, you know, northeast, north, northern part of the U.S., and uh, wasn't familiar with the Bible. I didn't own a Bible. You know, we didn't use it, even though we went to church regularly. Um, but he started sharing some Bible verses with me. I kind of shut him down, but he was patient and uh, kind. And eventually, because of the situation in my life, I had been involved in some uh, drugs and alcohol and other activities that often go with that. Uh, I came to a point where I was, I was really desperate and broken, and Ed Lindsley was his name. He met me as I had been tripping high all weekend long and, and uh, held out the Bible to me and said, Les, can I give you something to live for? Mm. And God had really prepared me. Before that time, I was antagonistic. I was a kind of mean-spirited towards him, actually. But God had softened my heart, and he took me into the frat house and showed me what we call the Romans Road of Salvation and just four or five verses out of the book of Romans, which you're going to be dealing with here, right. that we're all sinners. All sinners are going to face judgment in hell, but Jesus Christ died for us that we might have eternal life, and that takes place by calling upon the Lord and asking him to be our Savior and repenting of our sins. And I did that without really maybe thinking I'm going to change a whole lot. You know, you're not thinking down the road. You're thinking, I need help. But God began his work in my life and um, cleaning me up and changing me. And if somebody would have told me then that someday I'd be a preacher, I would have probably ran the other way. Right. Because <laughs> it was uh, impossible for me to think in those terms. But, you know, I left engineering eventually and um, went to Bible college and, and got an uh, undergrad and graduate seminary degree from Bible college, and here I am, you know, serving the Lord in ministry and wouldn't want to do anything else, you know. It is so interesting. In fact, uh, if if you're listening to us, this conversation, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast from last week where Les kind of shares in more detail the story of how God brought him to himself and the dramatic change in his life. It really is a fascinating story. I want to talk with you about missions. I mean, that's uh, the key area why you're here this week as part of our missions conference. Um, But before we get there, you have been a pastor for a number of years now, I think close to 40 years. I have been. I have been. Um, Can you just tell me about the church? Why, Why do you love the church? What's God doing in the church in this time? You know, no matter where you go, and I've had the, the privilege of preaching many places in America, Bible colleges and many churches, and I've had the privilege of preaching in Europe and Africa and 
India, wherever you go, the church is moving forward. Mm. The kingdom of God will not be stopped. <laughs> and uh, here we are out in the ocean to me, out in the, and to me, the, this is the mission field. But no matter where you go, you meet Christians and regardless of their language or skin color or education, we all are part of the same family. We all have the same desires, and that's to, to glorify God, to bring others to the knowledge of the Lord, because we were there. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have a heart for, for those that uh, don't know him yet. And so it's, it's just a thrill to see the work of God, no matter where you go, making advances, and it's for God's glory. And we're just glad to be a part of it. So. You've been the pastor, the shepherd of the same church, uh, you know, or shepherding in the same church for all, you know, most all of these years, nearly thirty-eight years, right? Yeah. Tell me, uh, you know, today, what do you have a sense of people are burdened with? You know, what are the big things that you're seeing kind of in the church today that maybe you would say that you know people are struggling with most? You know, of course, I live in Denver, Colorado, which is a uh, large city, and it's a liberal city in a very liberal state. And we say uh, America's postmodern, post-Christian. What do you mean by that? Uh, when I say postmodern, we're past the, the Christian era. Mm. Uh, at one time in America, of course, we we're founded on Christian principles. Uh, I often remind people 52 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence belong to or believed like this church does right here. Mm. They may not have all been Baptists, certainly several of them were, but they were Bible believers. And our, our found, founding documents reflect that. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, over time, there's been two great awakenings, many great revivals in America, but it's been a long time, and America is post-Christian. We we don't have the we have some of the superstructure that's still there, our laws, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, the people and the heart and the the philosophy really is no longer there. Christian worldview. So we're postmodern, post-Christian, and and worldview is very important. Worldview determines what we believe about origins what we believe about destiny, what we believe about values, uh, what we believe about uh, lifestyle. Uh, so America is post-Christian and it's reflected in all of those four or five areas I just mentioned. So America really needs Christ. Uh, he, America really needs the Lord. Our, our world needs the Lord, we would say. So we just want to do our best to individually um, proclaim Christ and preach the gospel, and we do that as individuals. And we do it, of course, publicly as well. America needs Christ and that relationship, and connected with that then is America needs truth, um, and we find that in the scriptures, which is really what you have taught for all of these years. You've tried to teach the truth, right, to people. They'd be able to see the difference. Yeah. The Bible says, in my word, we find truth, you know. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. I don't think I knew I was in darkness as an unbeliever because I didn't get saved until I was a young adult. I just thought, uh, well, if you like sports, you, you go to the gym. You know, if you like um, 
uh, movies, you, you go to the theater, and if you really like religious stuff, you go to church. Mm-hmm. And then after I became a Christian, I realized, hey, Christians, uh, they that's where they connect with other believers, and that's where they hear God's word, and and it's the place I want to be. And uh, I think that's true for all Christians. You want to you want to hear the truth being spoken into your life, and that of course comes from the Word of God. You know, if you want to be if you want to be relevant, you speak things that are eternal. Mm-hmm. Eternal things will always be relevant. You have a personal burden for missions. Um, I know your church. We've talked. Uh, well, I I have experience at your church. The church that loves missions and willing to sacrifice and invest in missions. Um, but you personally have, uh, you know, traveled a lot. You've been in a lot of different uh, areas of the world, um, talking with pastors and missionaries who are going to, uh, you know, really share the gospel in a lot of places. What, what have been some of your most impactful mission experiences as you've kind of had some opportunities to travel and see the church around the mm. world? Well, first, I always think of missionaries as uh, ordinary people that God is using in an extraordinary way. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're super gifted or somehow super sanctified. They're just regular people that are following the will of God. And when we do that, God um, brings grace into our life, and he does use us. We step out by faith. Maybe I'll interrupt just quick, just to make sure people that are listening can hear this. So when we talk about missionaries, maybe not everybody's familiar with that term. I mean, we're just talking about people who are on mission, right? Right. They're on, they understand, they have a mission in life, and they're going about their life, you know, really pursuing that. And they may be doing it in all kinds of places, particularly we're talking about people that might be overseas or in, you know, other areas, right? So that's the words we're using. Right, yeah. We, we have a mission statement as you walk into our church above the uh, floor there on the mezzanine wall, it says to know Christ and to make him known. Mm. So uh, our twin goals, our mission literally is that, to come to know Christ, of course, that's salvation, and, and well, to know Christ intimately, that's discipleship, and to make him known, that is evangelism. So all of us as Christians really should be on mission, just declaring the glory of God and his love for mankind, and that's why he came to this world, to save sinners of whom we all feel like we're pretty chief, mm. you know? So, yeah, I think we sometimes distinguish or differentiate between people who are sharing the gospel in the place where they live and maybe vocational missionaries that are sent out by a church and they go to a distant land. We certainly recognize that there's probably a difference, but certainly God wants all of us to be witnesses um, to, to what we've experienced in Christ. So as you've traveled, anything that you'd like to share with us about sort of impactful experiences? Well, um, I, I've had the opportunity of traveling both by myself and with some groups. I would say probably one of the most impactful experiences was when I traveled with um, the uh, organization that preaches the Bible, teaches ex- expositional preaching. Uh, with Jeff Anderson, and we have gone to the Philippines and the Africa and uh, explaining to pastors, and believe it or not, many of them were lost. Mm. Uh, but they came to the seminar because it was paid for. They were brought in 
They received books. They were fed for the three or four days that they were there. And we just preached to them like the Book of Romans. And so I had the privilege of preaching to about five to 6,000 pastors. Obviously, all of them weren't full-time vocational ministries, but they had some kind of a pastoral responsibility. And just seeing them hunger for the Word of God, we gave them a John MacArthur study Bible. We gave them a book on Islam so they would know uh, how to see how Islam is different than Christianity and how to deal with uh, Muslims. Um, so we gave them some material, but uh, they were taking notes like there was no tomorrow. Mm. And seeing how, because they had a tendency to just maybe tell stories or make up things, and they told us this is one of the things you, you can help them with is that the Bible is its own best message book. So having, having that opportunity uh, to, to preach to pastors who many probably didn't know Christ as Savior, and we gave an invitation for them to become Christians before they go back to their, their native places and, and share the, the truth that we were giving them. You and I connected a few years ago about a Bible translation project. I've enjoyed listening to you tell that story a few times. Pastor Gary came to our church when he was the head of Bibles International, the translation arm for uh, Baptist Mid-Mission. You preached a missions conference for us, and I think you posed the question, hey, have you ever considered helping with the translation work? And truthfully, I'd never, it had never crossed my mind. I knew, obviously, people did translation work, but I didn't know we were... Uh, we could be involved in it. And you, uh, I think I asked you, well, how much is this going to cost? And and you said, well, for the Akka translation, which is a people group in northern Thailand and, and China and four or five different countries in that region, you said, to finish it up, probably going to take another 90000 And I kind of laughed up my sleeve <laughs> and said, oh, well, good luck, you know, because you ain't going to get that here kind of thing. You know, uh, I thought, well, we, we had two, three days, you know, Sunday through Wednesday, we might get $10,000. But we took an offering Sunday night and then took an offering Monday night, and we had raised the 90000 and a little bit over. And, uh, I, I mean, it was just a, a real rebuke to me. I'm supposed to be the leader of the flock, and I didn't nearly have the faith to believe <laughs> that we'd come anywhere close to that. So, you know, of course, we passed that money on to Bibles International, and they completed that New Testament translation. I had the privilege of, of going over there for the dedication, and it was one of the most memorable and emotional services I've ever been in because as people receive the Word of God in their native tongue for the first time, you know, the joy Amen. and the, the singing, the falling on their knees, praising God, it was a tremendous experience for me. The Aka people are an amazing story. In fact, I've told our church here uh, about them and uh, what God's doing among those tribes up in those yeah. northern mountains. And, yeah, I feel the same um, to be able to be part of the scriptures uh, going into a language like that where it's going to be dispersed all among you know multiple countries. I think there's six or seven countries yeah. up in that area where the Akas are all a part of it. You just have a sense that we're part of something that's so eternally significant. Yeah, I think that's why our people jumped in and just yeah. gave because they they thought, wow, we can be taking the Word of God, helping assist in this process of taking the Word of God to a people group. 
It's an interesting theme, actually, that's come through our conversation right now, and, and it's such a missional theme. But, you know, you talked about from your salvation story, which was somebody bringing you a Bible, um, to some of your Im- most impact- impactful missions, which is helping people in Africa to understand how to teach the Bible and the right. truth of the Bible, and even talking about historically the the truth of the scripture, you know, in the American country, and, and then to talk about the scripture's significance in, among the Aka people. This is really the heart of missions, right? It is. is the truth that we have uh, given to us, this treasure that we have that is opening, eye-opening and heart-opening for people all around the world, and they desperately need it. Yeah. I mean, you being... A uh, large part of uh, Bibles International for those years, you probably have the statistics, statistics much better in hand, but I think I saw that there are about 4,500 and some language groups that do not have any of the scriptures. It, it represents a relatively small uh, population number, mm-hmm. I mean, considering there's almost 8 billion people in the world, but uh, it's hard to believe we're 66 generations after the Great Commission, and there's 4,500 and some people that have not got one piece of Scripture in their own language. Yeah, And and it's the Word of God that changes us. It is. Because yeah. I used to go to a phone booth before I got saved, and somebody put those chick tracks, there mm-hmm. were little gospel tracks, and I would make a phone call to my girlfriend and pick up those chick tracks and nobody was around, I would read them because I didn't want anybody to see me a party animal reading a gospel track, <laughs> but it was the Word of God that was getting in me. Yeah. And uh, and I tell people it was kind of like a comic book form. Mm-hmm. That was my reading level at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I get the Word of God in me, and then Ed brought it home to me, and it's the Word of God that changes us, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, amen. If you had one place on all the earth <laughs> to go to invest yourself in missions, I know God's called you to Denver, so I know your heart is there, but if it was one place on all the earth to go to invest yourself in missions, where would that be? Wow, that is a hard question. Um, I guess I would want to go to a place where I could learn the language really fast at mm-hmm. my age mm-hmm. <laughs> so I could uh, preach the gospel to them. You know, I, I would say it would be in um, probably a society that isn't um, stuck on education. I've preached in Europe, and you have almost nobody come. And I preach in South America and India and places, you know, islands like this. It seems like the people are much more receptive. Mm. I'm not saying, uh, you know, if you have education, you're going to reject the gospel. But there is a tendency to, to, to have the idea that, well, I know better than that. Mm. And uh, receptive people often are very just humble, uh, sometimes poorer classes. So I would pick someplace probably – truthfully in the southern hemisphere or or where they don't have all the distractions that we have in America. Well God calls us all differently of course and with our you know with our interests our burdens our giftedness he puts us in different places but our prayer is that God would take you know harvest and multiply the ministry and would send out from this church multitudes of people, young people and older, that would go to all of the regions of the Amen. earth, or that God's word would be made known among the nations. I mean, that's that is the prayer. Yeah, my wife often gives me a hard time when I come home. 
She says, okay, now where's, where's your burden now? Where, where, where do you think God's calling you now? Because I often say, man, I tell you what, I could go to this place, <laughs> you know, uh, and I could come to Guam. I, uh, could, I could come to Guam for more than one reason. <laughs> Pastor Les, what can the church do? I mean, this has been your burden for 40 years. It's your church. You're here helping to encourage us. What can the church do about this? I think it. I think the one of the best things that we can do is disciple believers because as they mature and God gets a hold of their heart and their mind, they see their responsibility. And I think sometimes we think, well, reaching eight billion people is impossible. You can. We could actually reach the world in in uh, one generation, less than thirty years, if everybody discipled one person once a year mm-hmm. and then that person went on to disciple you've seen the statistics yes you know if, if we each discipled one person in one year and they became thoroughly committed to to helping others know christ and they discipled one person within 30 years eight billion people could be reached with the gospel well i tell you we are after that Amen. <laughs> we are burdened and thankful for other churches that have that kind of discipleship burden, praying that God would use us. And thank you again for being willing to come, share your heart and your burden, and really helping us as a church to own, um, be passionate about the call that God's given to us. So, so thank you. My pleasure. It's been a delight to be with you. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, at this point in the program, We always just want to personally invite you again to Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday. We have two services, one at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. There is Japanese and Korean translation available during that 11 a.m. service, and the service at 11 is also available on a live stream at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, we're beginning that new series from the Book of Romans. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.